we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Galatians chapter 6. Paul writes here as he's getting near the end of the book in Galatians, and he says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. I've written my name right out beside there. <laughs> Hope you don't mind. Maybe you want to write yours. Ye which are spiritual, <laughs> restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now, that's a simple verse to read, but, but that's a difficult verse to apply sometimes. God says, if you're a spiritual person, if I'm a spiritual person, then we're going to be quick to forgive and restore. I like to hold grudges. I like to think, well, you can't because you did. Well, you won't because you will. Bear ye one another's burdens. Verse 2, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, <laughs> did you hear about the guy that uh, wrote the book, The World's Ten Most Humble People and How I Influenced the Other Nine? <laughs> you may know that guy. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Verse 7, familiar passage of Scripture for most of us. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And then Paul, in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this, And let us not be weary in well-doing. Now, I think... We won't take the time this evening to go back and recount all these things, but there's a lot, lot of things in those first eight verses that God's Holy Spirit could draw our attention to in terms of let us not be weary in well-doing. Like verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens. You think you can get weary bearing another's burdens? Sure. Have you ever been weary bearing the burden of a child? son or a daughter, parent, loved one, friends, and other things in there. But let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. If we faint not. Lord, we're grateful for the opportunity to be together this evening with God's people and 
And I pray in the next few moments as we look into your word, you help us to be encouraged, help us to give attention for the moment to what you have for us this evening. Guide our thoughts and our words. Bless our pastor tonight, his family is their way. And we'll be grateful for all that you do, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, there's many things that would cause us to faint or be weary or be overwhelmed. You can be discouraged. Sometimes you get discouraged. People get discouraged. I was saw a, a, I heard a man this week say he was from over in the Asheville area, works with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and uh, he was saying in the last little bit, he might have said two months, he might have said six weeks, I, I forget the time frame, but he was talking about, I think he said five young people in, his, in the schools that he worked with committed suicide. I think he said five. It was more than one. And uh, I thought, and he was talking about nobody had, n- nobody, nobody had a clue. They didn't look discouraged. They didn't look, sometimes people can be discouraged and you, you don't know it. But you can get discouraged. Discouragement is part of life. But that's not the only thing that causes us to faint. Sometimes we can faint because we're overwhelmed. The magnitude of, it may be a great opportunity, but the magnitude of it is just overwhelming. You say, whoa, I don't know. I mean, it might be a shopping center or something. It could be lots of things. You might just be tired, not discouraged, just flat out tired. And that causes you to, to faint or to give up for a moment, or weary. There's a difference, I think, in tired and weary. But a lot of things. I, I just wrote some examples down as I was thinking through God's Word, thinking about Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He, he left their homes, Haran, uh, their father, Terah, and they'd gone to Haran, and his father died. And then Abraham decided, well, we're going to move on because they were headed to Canaan. And he got to Canaan, but it didn't go exactly as planned. There was a famine. That could have been a little discouraging. So they go down to Egypt. I mean, not everything was working out exactly as planned. I imagine, I imagine he thought, I don't know if I can make it. May have been tempted to throw in the town. Moses in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, and I love the story. You know, he's 80 years old. He's on the backside of the desert, and he's a shepherd. And God says, I will deliver my people. And I imagine he thought, that's, this is good. I, that's good. It's, this is time. They need to be delivered. And God says, but I want you to, I'm going to use you to do it. Uh, hold, hold a minute. Hold a minute here. And Moses says, but they're not going to believe me. And God says, as a matter of fact, they're not. As a matter of fact, Pharaoh is not going to let people go. That could have been a little overwhelming. Could have caused him faint. Job, I imagine we think of Job most often. Job chapter 3, uh, he lost his... Early in Job, he lost his oxen and his donkeys and his sheep and his camel, seven sons and three daughters, his health. Could anybody discourage Job for just throwing it all away and throwing it in, throwing in the towel? He said, he said from his lips, he said, let the day perish wherein I was born. He said, I've had, I've had it. And even when we're talking about Job, 
we can't even, Im I, can't, I can't imagine because I'm on this side of it. And I read the end of the book. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends and restored and gave Job twice as much as he had before. And he said, man, that all turned out great. But I imagine there were, well, I don't imagine, I know from God's word, there was days when it wasn't so great. Joshua, God said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, only be thou strong and very courageous. I think we've talked about this before. And I imagine there was a sense, Joshua didn't follow Moses around, and God was preparing Joshua, and I believe he prepared his heart. I believe he prepares a man's heart to do that. And there had to be, I think, imagine some sense of excitement there. Not even he was glad that Moses was dead, but that was inevitable. And now, now, here he is, but then when he just steps right up to it, it's, oh, this is big. Solomon says, I am but a child. I don't know how to go out or come in. Gideon. Judges chapter 6 refers to Gideon as that, God refers to Gideon as that mighty man of valor. That's why he was hiding. <laughs> God looketh on the heart, I guess. I mean, I, I know that's true, but. That's how God referred to him. God sees sometimes what we don't see. And but Gideon said, wherewith, wherewith shall I save Israel? He said, I can't do this. Jump to the New Testament. What about, what about Mary and Joseph? Every Jewish girl would have had to have grown up at least thinking sometimes. Every Jewish mother, it could be my daughter. Nobody could have imagined how it was going to happen. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, coming on the scene. But Mary finds out that it's her. That seems overwhelming. And Joseph, he was minded, minded to put her away privately. And Paul says, in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So how can I make it? How can we make it? Tough times, weariness, tiredness, big tasks, insurmountable odds. How can we make it? Three things we get from God's word. I show, we'll see quickly. Number one, consider Christ. I wrote here, I can make it if I consider Christ. Would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter, chapter 12, excuse me? Hebrews chapter 12. Pastor preached last week from Hebrews chapter 11. I've heard a lot of messages on faith, but that is, I've been thinking about that message throughout this week. Hebrews chapter 11. So we're in Hebrews chapter 12. And we'll see the definition of faith. The description of faith is Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Then we get to chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. 
Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. So how can I keep from fainting? Whatever the situation, consider Christ and consider his sacrifice. Lest I be weary and faint in my mind. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, gave himself. He left heaven and came to earth in fashion of, as a man. Consider Christ. So when I want to get discouraged, when I want to think, hold it. They're not treating me fairly. Think about Christ. Do they not? Excuse me. I, I, had to, I had to apologize to a student this week. I don't have a, lots of interaction with students anymore, but this is why. <laughs> My expiration date passed. And nice young man, he did something he needed to be corrected for, but not in the spirit in which I corrected him. And I was convicted almost immediately. And uh, I had to apologize to him. Because you could get weary, distracted, and you're fighting it every day. And then in a moment of in just in just a second, you think, hold it, I think I think I was I think I was controlled by God's Holy Spirit almost all day today. But not for that second. Consider Christ. Consider Christ in his example. Would you turn with me to Philippians chapter 2? Not only consider Christ in his sacrifice, consider Christ in his example. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians is my wife's favorite book of the Bible. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, and there is, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship, of the Spirit, of many bowels of mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. That's the verse, I think, for our school for this month, our, uh, what do we call those, those uh, foundational truths, unity, right? Like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Verse 5, let this mind be in you. We're talking about consider Christ. How can I keep from fainting? How can I make it? Consider Christ's example in Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Hold it. He was God. He is God. He is equal with God. 
but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I paused there, Pastor Section. You should say, I heard him say hundreds of times, he became obedient, not just obedient, obedient unto death, and not just any death, even the death of the cross. That's the example. So how can I keep from getting discouraged, tired, weary, overwhelmed, and fainting? Follow Christ's example and live and walk in humility before God and let God take care of it. How can I keep from, how can I make it? How can I faint not? Consider Christ. Number two, number two, the Bible says, consider Christ's work. Consider Christ's work. Turn with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Christ's work. Three things we can note here about Christ's work. What do you think Christ's biggest work in your life is? I don't think that's, a, that's an open-ended question, right? I think we'd have to agree that the biggest work, the biggest work is salvation. I think I'd have to agree with that. I mean, a lot of other things come with that, but that is where our eternal destiny is secured. Now, that's not the end of it. But consider Christ's work. So when I'm discouraged, overwhelmed, or tired, or weary, or tempted to faint, or give up, or wonder if I can make it, well, look what God's Word says, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Back up to verse 23. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continued forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Because Hebrews is about Christ is better. Christ is better. Better than what? Yes. He's better. Better than Melchizedek. Better than the priesthood of Aaron. Christ is better. Verse 25. Wherefore? because he continueth forever and hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost. And all God's people said, and if you've been saved, you've been saved to the uttermost. How far is that? It's the uttermost. He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the sins of people. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. So, how can I make it? I consider Christ's work. When you get when you get tired, weary, discouraged, just think about what it means to be saved. Hold it. I heard the gospel. 
God's Holy Spirit convicted me of sin. I did what God's Word said is necessary to be saved, and I have eternal life. I may not feel like it today. It may not seem like it. I may not even act like it. But I have it because of Christ's work of salvation. But it didn't stop there. Well, hold it before we move on. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Let's see if I can find Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. This is not a passage I read often in particular, but Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, talking about Christ's work and salvation, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Remember Philippians, Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it's God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. That's what Christ has done for you and what he's done for me in salvation. Now, second thing, consider Christ's work. Hebrews chapter 13, back to Hebrews chapter 13. What about this? Consider Christ's work. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 21 Verse 18 says, pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. But I beseech you rather, the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now, in verse 20, Hebrews chapter 13. The God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I say consider Christ's work in this work of sanctification. Because that's what Christ, that's what God through his Holy Spirit is doing in us continually. He didn't just leave us alone when we got saved. It's, I guess that would have been okay. But that's not his plan. His plan is that God, through the, we allow God through his Holy Spirit to keep working in us. That's, that's the Holy Spirit's job. That's his task. That's his, that's his part of the Godhead. make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Christ Jesus. Consider Christ's work. So I want to get, I want to faint. I want to, how can I make it? I think about what's God doing in my life? 
He's working in my life according to his will. But I don't like this. But he's working in my life according to his will. But I don't like what I see. But he's working in their life, if they're a believer, according to his will. I don't have to see it or understand it. I just have to trust that that's what's happening because God's word says it. Consider Christ's work. How can I keep from fainting? Consider Christ's work, his work of salvation, his work of sanctification. Then in John chapter 14. And I don't, I don't, I don't believe, I know I don't think about this enough. Simon Peter said in John chapter 13, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whether I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter saith unto, said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. And then the shock. Jesus answered him, Well, wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Really, Peter? No, let me tell you. Verily, verily, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. He said, not only are you not going to lay down your life for me, you're going to claim you don't even know me. And then right on the hills of that, we have John chapter 14, verse 1. Given to us an account in God's word. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Is your heart ever troubled? Is my heart ever troubled? I'll tell you, my heart is troubled. Christ said, let not your heart be troubled. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I am so attached to this world in my mind and my thinking. So attached. But God says that there is a better day ahead. Because Christ said, I'm going to go, but I will come again. And not only am I going to come again, and look, I think when he comes again, it's going to be pretty good for about a thousand years. Is that this week or next? Is that Roman Revelation 4 and 5? I think it's going to be pretty good for a thousand years, but not as good as it's going to be for eternity. So, when I think about, can I make it? Am I going to faint? Should I just give up? Why don't I just think about heaven? Here's what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. I love Romans chapter 8. And when you get to verse 18, well, it starts out with, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That's pretty encouraging, too. There is therefore now no condemnation. Verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time 
and there are sufferings in this present time, to whatever degree. Everybody goes through suffering to some degree. Now, yours may be worse than mine. Mine may be worse than yours. Ours may not be as bad as somebody somewhere else, but everybody goes has things for which they deal, things to deal with. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So God says, just stop a minute and think. I know it looks dark right now. I know it's difficult. There's sin in the world. There's things with which we have to deal. It doesn't always seem just. It doesn't always seem fair. It doesn't always seem right. But it's not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us in that place that Christ promised. Consider Christ's work of salvation, sanctification, and eternal destination. Consider Christ's work. Feign not. How can I make it? Number three, consider Christ, consider Christ's work. And number three, consider Christ's invitation. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And I, I trust God will help me ex explain to you in words how His Holy Spirit has encouraged me in this passage of Scripture. We get to Romans chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 11, excuse me, in verse 28, and that's where we're headed. Come on unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. But let's back up a moment. Because we're going to consider Christ's invitation. Look where Christ, look where he, look where he is headed to verse 28. Chapter 11 begins with, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. And he's preaching. And he's not being accepted. And it was no surprise to him. But it was a surprise to the disciples. And in fact, when you get to verse 20 of Matthew chapter 11, then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. <laughs> I mean, he's healing people and he's teaching and he's preaching and they're not listening. They don't care. They're apathetic. Jesus Christ, the Son of God Himself. And He says, Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, That was his headquarters. Thou Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, 
shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you, that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. That's scathing. But then look at verse 25. And see if you notice anything interesting. Well, first off, what do you notice at the beginning of verse 25? If you have a red letter, I know some people don't, I mean, all of it's God's word, I get it, but. I have a red letter edition of the Bible right here in, in, in my hand. And so you notice verse 21 through 24, Christ is speaking directly. I mean, the man Christ Jesus. But in verse 25, we're back to the narrator, Matthew. At that time, Jesus answered and said, hold it a minute. He answered and said, I didn't read anybody ask him a question. It's like, and I've, nobody really has a, I mean, I've read lots of things about it, nobody really has a good answer here, so mine's as good as anybody's. <laughs> At that time, Jesus, it's almost, as I'm reading this, it, it's in my mind like Christ has just pronounced this judgment and he never sinned, so he wasn't sinning here. He wasn't angry, out of control. I mean, he's God's son. And it's like, at this moment in verse 25, God the Father speaks to him. Why I think so? Because he says, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. I mean, it's, it's like for that moment, Christ with his disciples, with the people around, and he, he's preaching, he says, this is what, this is what, in Capernaum, you're worse off than Sodom. And I'm here and I'm doing all these things for your sake. And then God the Father speaks to him, and he turns his attention to God the Father. And he says, I thank thee that thou hast hid these things, these marvelous works, these, the, this, this, this fact that he was the very Son of God. They never accepted it. And you've hid it from the wise and prudent but made it so simple that children can accept it and see it and know it. You don't have to be intelligent. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be educated. You have to accept by faith what Christ has done. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. And now in verse 7, now he's back to the disciples. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. Isn't that an interesting exchange right there? All things are delivered unto me of my Father, he says to his disciples. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Or 
except it be for the Father, but by the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son. Speaking of himself in both senses there, both times the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal. So Christ says, Christ says, you can't even know the Son, but by the Father. And you can't know the Father, except by the Son, by me. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. And Christ said, I can reveal my Father to you. That's what he was trying to do. That was his whole purpose on earth. To work the works of him that sent him. Then he says, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. And I say, consider Christ's invitation. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? The song, songwriter said. Consider Christ's invitation. And he simply said, come unto me, all you labor and are heavy. Not these wise and prudent people that wouldn't accept. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest under your souls. For my, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. At the same time, Jesus answered and said, listen to what Matthew Henry said about this. He says, we may take great encouragement in looking upward to God. When round about us, we see nothing but what is discouraging. It's comfortable to think that the wise and faithful God will effectually secure the interest of his own glory. The wise and faithful God will effectually secure the interest of his own glory. We are his glory. That's why we were created. Thanksgiving is a proper answer to dark and disquieting thoughts and may be an effectual means to silence them. Christ in verse 21 through 24 is talking, whoa, 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 and now Capernaum, cursed. And then he just stops in the midst of that and the heaviness of that. And he says, I thank thee, O Father. That's what Matthew Henry is saying here. Thanksgiving is a, is a proper answer to dark and disquieting thoughts. And I say, when we're bombarded with dark and disquieting thoughts, God's Word says, turn our eyes to heaven. When we have no other answer ready, to the suggestions of grief and fear, we may have recourse to this. I thank thee, O Father. Sure. And the invitation, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. We're going to be in somebody's yoke, by the way. Either going to be in, we're going to take Christ's yoke, or we're going to be in a yoke of bondage.
because that's what sin is, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And Christ gives us the invitation. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.